This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you're here today. This is a podcast for parents or anybody helping raise kids. And my hope is that you leave every conversation with a little something you can apply to your own lives. I am the mom of four, a lifelong runner. I love to read and I actually also host the podcast, I'll Have Another with Lindsay Hine, which is a place where I interview professional and everyday runners. And as my kids got older, I had so many questions about parenting. And so I decided to start this podcast where I would interview the experts, where I could find information to help my own life, me and my own life, as well as the listener's life as well. So I hope that you are finding some encouragement and helpful information out of this show. I'm really excited about today's guest. This is episode 31 and I'm talking with Ginny Urich. She is the creator of 1000 Hours Outside. She's the mom of five. She's a speaker. She's an author and she's on a mission to help people experience life outside more, particularly people with kids. So in this episode, we talk about all of the benefits of spending more time outside, the benefits of free play, and some tips for getting outside more. Jenny actually has an activity book coming out that she is super excited about, I am super excited about. The pre-sale is going on until Sunday, May 2nd, so make sure you check it out. It's called 1,000 Hours Outside Activity Book. I will link to everything in the show notes. All right, I am super excited for you to hear this conversation and be encouraged to spend more time outdoors with your family. If you do love this episode or any of the episodes you've heard on this podcast, please consider leaving us a quick rating and review as that is a helpful way new listeners can find us. Okay, enjoy my conversation with Jenny Urich. Today on Why Is Everyone Yelling, we have Jenny Urich on the show. Welcome to the show, Jenny. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited. Jenny is the creator of 1000 Hours Outside, which I found this past winter, you know, right in the middle of winter when COVID was crazy and I have four little kids and it's cold in Indiana and I really, really wanted to prioritize getting my kids outside. So finding your account during that time was such an encouragement. So thank you for all that you're doing over there. Oh, yeah. I'm so thrilled to hear that. What is 1,000 Hours Outside, Jenny? Well, it is a way to live, actually. <laughs> it's sort of what it is. It's a movement. Um, and it just was birthed out of my own family experiences. When my kids were young, I was drowning. And I didn't even really enjoy being a mom. Is that awful to say? No. Um, I would like dread going to bed because I knew that I wasn't going to sleep and then I was going to get up the next morning and everyone would be crying. And I just, I like, I didn't have enough to fulfill the needs and, and I wanted to enjoy those years. You know, everyone says they fly by. So I believe that because um, that's what everyone says. Mm -hmm. And so I was wanting to enjoy the years and I wasn't, my husband's gone for work, you know, 10 hours with commute. And, um, and so our day to day, was discouraging and a struggle. And one day, um, it was, it's almost been 10 years ago at this point, a friend told me about this educational philosopher from the 1800s. Like, why are you reading something <laughs> from that over? Her name was Charlotte Mason. She didn't even have kids of her own, but she has this whole educational philosophy that people actually still really use today. Turns out she was pretty prolific and her stuff is pretty research backed now. But she said that kids should be outside for four to six hours whenever there's tolerable weather. And I had never heard anything like that in my life. You know, I think we fill childhood with like swim lessons and library mm -hmm. programs and things that are very short. And so I thought it was absurd, Lindsay. I was like, in my mind, you know, I'm like, you're trying to make friends when you're a mom, you got these little kids. 
I was like, this is weird. You know, who does this? Um, but I went along with her to a park one day from nine in the morning till one in the afternoon. We brought a picnic. It was in the fall. We're in Michigan. And the kids just played. And it was the first time that I sort of had hope as a mom that I could make it through, that I could enjoy the years um, because the kids just, they just ran around and I held my baby and I had a conversation with a friend and they came and got snacks and they chased squirrels and threw rocks into this little creek bed. And it was just a life-changing day for me because I went, it was like a 180 switch. You know, I went from like drowning to thriving in one day. And so we started to revolve our life around that, this sort of four to six hours, whenever it was nice out, you know, two to three times a week, we'd meet up with a little group of friends. And very quickly, I noticed that our kids were thriving. You know, all of a sudden they're not getting sick and they're more coordinated, you know, watch me, watch me. And they're doing these different things. I was just going outside for me. Yeah. <laughs> like I have been struggling. I was really struggling. And all of a sudden I wasn't. And so I was going outside for me. But then I kind of started to notice like the kids are really doing well. And in fact, since 2011, we've not needed one doctor's appointment. Wow. I have five kids. You know, it's a lot of years represented there. So, um, and in Michigan, I get a lot of inside time in those cold winters. Yeah. It helps. So, anyway, Eventually, I just started to come across lots of other books that there are stacks and stacks, Lindsay, that all just point to the power of play and how it helps our kids cognitively, which I had no idea, helps them with their academics. It helps them socially um, because they're so intrinsically motivated to play and to keep everyone else playing. So they're working on the cooperation and sort of their, um, you know, their negotiation skills. Mm. It helps them emotionally and it helped me emotionally. It helps them obviously physically. I think that's the one that people would know about because they're moving and there's vitamin D, but I didn't realize that there was all these other benefits as well. And in fact, I keep learning more. So about two years in, we're sort of living this weird way. Uh, I added up my hours that we were spending outside because I had just read in Scott Sampson's got a book called How to Raise a Wild Child. Oh, I love that. Um, it's a good book. He, he has a quote in there from the National Wildlife Federation that says the average child gets four to seven minutes of free play outside a I mean, day. That's insane to me. I mean, I can't even yeah. fathom that that is well, possible. What I, what I think it is, is I think kids are out like a few times a week, maybe for a half hour. Mm -hmm. That's sort of what I get out of that statistic. I don't think kids are going outside for four minutes and coming back sure. in. I think they're just getting these couple short little periods of outside time a week of free play. Um, but they're four to seven hours on screens. And we had spent two years, we're in like the metro Detroit area, it's really populated, um, just going to these local parks and um, and didn't run into one other kid. No exaggeration, no kids, no kids on the trails, there's grandparents, but no kids. And I just thought, well, this has been so life-changing for me as a mom. I'm just going to write about it. I'm going to write. And so when I added up my hours, it was 18 to 20 hours a week. On average, it was 1,200 hours a year. 1,200 hours a year is the exact amount of, of screen time that American kids get. And I just opened my eyes, not that screens are evil, but how much we're missing out on. You know, I could look back on a year with all that time and, and think of all these grand experiences that we had that were really so simple you know, I mean, they're so simple. It's just local little parks, little recreation areas, you know, nothing overly grand, but but still very a fulfilling year. So it came up with 1,000 hours outside because it was catchier than 1,200 hours <laughs> outside. Um, and it sort of goes along with the pediatric occupational therapists are talking about sort of like this three hours-ish a day. But it's a year-long goal because life as a parent is really hard yes. and very nuanced. So I can't go outside for three hours every day. Like sometimes we have orthodontist and sometimes, you know, someone's feeling under the weather or we have other commitments. And so, um, or it's freezing. Yes. <laughs> you, know, you know, like there's different seasons. You know, you just had a baby. Uh, you had a surgery. So, you know, I can't personally, I can't commit to every single day we're going to be out for two hours or three hours. But over the course of a year... I can have this goal to make sure that we filled our life with hands-on, you know, real moments that sort of balance out um, the screen time. There we go. That was like really long. <laughs> no, that's that's wonderful. I think it's a 
creates a really great backdrop for the conversation. And, you know, you mentioned that on average, these kids, I'm assuming in America are, you know, 1200 hours a year on screens. And what I think so much about when I hear that is those experiences that are had outside doing things where they're moving their body. Those are the memories that they remember, not the memories of, they might love their video games and it might be really fun for them, but like, they're not going to look back at this in this adoration of their childhood because they had the screams and, and there is a balance. Like you said, screens aren't evil, but you really do. Once they've been introduced, you have to be proactive because you will sink into the whole of it. Well, they're meant to be addictive. And, and I read, there's a really good book called Glow Kids um, about screen addiction. It's, it's hijacking our kids and what to do about it. It's, the subtitle is something like that. It's a fabulous book um, by Nicholas Car- Carteras. I don't know how you say his name. He's a PhD. But he talks about how our brains are wired for novelty. Yeah. And, and nature actually satisfies that, right? So we did a garden for the first time last year. And and it's the simplest thing, but these sprouts come up and this one looks different than that one, you know, and there's a lot of novelty there. You go out into the garden and, you know, there's a flower there that wasn't there yesterday. There's, you know, a little birdhouse gourd. It's starting to form. And there's all these like little sparks of newness, you know, and sort of anywhere you go, even if you go outside to the same, to your patio, it's different from day to day. There's novelty there. Um, but screens also are meant to hit on that hardwired need of novelty, right? Which is why I think those video games are so addicting. I think there's a lot of reasons why, but that is one of them. And it's been interesting to learn that nature provides sort of the same things that our our brains and our bodies need, um, just sort of in a, in a healthier, whole, more wholesome way. I don't know if I was like extra inspired to go on this walk this morning because I knew in the back of my head I had this conversation. <laughs> um, but this morning, and actually, when I first started following your account, this was, uh, we were still virtual learning at home. My kids weren't back in school yet. And they start at 920. And I thought, okay, it's the dead of winter. It's cold. But I heard you say that getting out before 11, I think that's the time you said, there's something to that, like getting outside before 11. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, actually, it's just, it's before noon. Noon, I have a whole like sunlight before noon, like little thing that I ran, little extra mini challenge. We started doing it last March um, because of COVID. And I was looking for, sort of when everyone didn't know what was going on, I was looking for ways to enhance our health naturally you know, sort of during those unknown weeks and months. And my midwife actually had talked to me like years ago about if you get your kids out before noon, they sleep better. And I was like, well, that's weird. You know, like how could that even make a difference? But I started to do some research on it and she was, she's always right. Um, (laughs) Truth be told, uh, she always knows what she's talking about. Even when I think it's odd at the beginning, there's something about that when that light hits your eyes, it goes to your brain and it actually resets a hundred body systems um, by getting that exposure to morning sunlight. I think it goes through your skin and it goes through your eyes. Wow! And 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 then that it helps release the serot for the sleep part. It helps re- release serotonin, which makes you feel good. And then the serotonin turns into melatonin at night. It changes, and and that's why it affects nighttime sleep. That morning sunshine. So. Um, it is very powerful for health and mood, you know, um, and also even like nature sort of guides us through the day, right? You have that bright morning sun, you know, you have that heat of the day that kind of you're out and you're moving and then it winds down, yeah. you know, the colors, isn't it's it wild. interesting? It's so I think wild. you can look at that stuff and just, and just know that there's a little bit to that. Like we're supposed to be outside. That's, that's so, so wild. And I mean, the science behind that is fascinating. Like that research, we'll, we'll, I'll have Jenny send me a link to whatever article it is. And, and so you guys can look it up, but like beyond that too, it's, it's just, it helps your day, especially if you're a stay at home mom, because you're setting the tone for the day. We're not going to like slop around all day. And some days that's fine if you do. But I know for me, I've gone through seasons of being full-time stay-at-home mom, seasons of kids being in daycare, kids being in school. 
it just really sets the tone for the day. If we can just get out in the morning and then we can maybe come back and reset at lunchtime or something like that, it makes the whole day better. Um, yeah. But anyway, yeah, we went on. So I, I was encouraged and throughout the winter, I would try to get my big two kids out for a walk before school. Sometimes the little ones would still be sleeping in. And um, then this morning we went on a walk and we just talked. I made sure to like not have my phone out or anything. And um, we saw this really pretty bird. So simple. Our neighbor's dog like got off the leash and chased after our dog. And like they played for a little bit. And we said hello to like probably five or six neighbors also doing the same thing. And I'm like. Our day is so much better because of all those tiny things. So much better than on a lot of mornings. I do let my kids sit on video games for 30 minutes before school. Um, so I just like made sure to make a point to my kids. Like think about all those tiny little beautiful things we got to experience because we chose to go walk one mile. Yeah. And I think that that's sort of the point, right? Which is that, you know, my kids when they were younger, they really liked Dora and Diego. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I would throw on a cartoon to make dinner. Um, and, you know, the 22 minutes just flew by. Oh, it flies You know, by. You're, you're just like, oh, gosh, I got to put on another one. And then they're crying because it's over. And, you know, and, and actually added more stress, I think. Like for us, we've limited the screens because to certain times of the week, because otherwise they're asking for all the time. It's adding more stress to our home rather than alleviating it. But, um, you know, but if you go outside for 22 minutes, a mile walk, right? Yeah. So many, so many things happen. It really is like this amplified experience. Um, and that's actually one of the benefits of, of keeping track of the time, which is really out of the realm of what was normal even a couple decades ago. Kids were just out. So yeah. no one would have ever, no one would have ever paid attention. But, um, you know, now it's like, well, if you even pay attention just for a week or so, you realize, wow, that there's a lot packed into that short period of time. And then I like what you said, Lindsay, this is modeling for our kids because, you know, they're going to be parents in a decade or two. And I think that the screens are going to be more pervasive and then they're going to have to have strategies. You know, what are their strategies, you know, for themselves as they become adults? for balancing screen time with real life. And I think, you know, part of this movement is about saying, look, like you have to fill your life with what you want to fill it with first. Mm. You know, let's have, there's time for screens, but we don't want it all to go to screens. And so because screens are so addictive and because, uh, you know, you can just go down the rabbit holes, um, you know, we want to have intentionality about the way we want to live. Um, and that, and that's what we schedule in first. And then if there's time for screens, great. But um, it's not the first the first thing that we do. Yeah. And I, I so want to be clear with the listener that like this is not about perfection. This is about like helping me and you come up with tools to make our lives better. Like for this right. to be more enjoyable for us and our kids. Right. And look. My kids watch TV like and we do, you know, we do do video games, but I want to provide the encouragement. I think that's what it is. And I think that's what I yeah. love about your movement, Jenny, is it provides encouragement because sometimes having just that extra little bit of accountability is what we need and then we're better for it and we enjoy life more because of it. Right. Well, it is surprising that getting outside is actually hard. You know, you would think it would it's not hard, but it's hard. I think it's hard because you have to have the time set aside for it. And I think that's hard. Um, parenting is filled with a lot of fear and a lot of should have, would have, mm -hmm. you should do this. You know, what if your kid's not in travel sports and what if they're not in this and they don't have, they're not in extra tutoring in there. So there's a lot of that. Um, so I think it's hard it's hard to even make the decision to say, I'm going to set time aside for this. And then it's hard because there's bugs and it's hard because, you know, <laughs> it's too kids hot. fall it's and too cold. their need. And yeah, it's hard because you need extra clothes sometimes and you've got to have snacks and, you know, and maybe you don't have a yard. And so you've got to plan, you know, going down the road to the park or it's not easy actually. And that's why we have a goal. 
right? Like, because I would rather just pop on a cartoon or I've got chores to do around the house. Or, I mean, we all have things to do. So I think goals are for those things that are hard. And then what it does for us is it, it does so much. That's the crazy thing. I never even realized. I mean, it obviously, like I said, it helps development in every facet, but it helps our family have these foundational memories and it helps us have a fulfilling life, you know, beyond all of the um, benefits for the child in their, in their sort of whole self-development. But, um, you know, so the goal helps us to have, like you said, a better life and it's just kind of fun. And, um, and uh, we don't even always hit it. You know, we've had years where we've had a baby or we moved or, you know, I don't know, we hit 900 or we hit 940, but like whatever it is. And some people go way over. Yeah. Like I'd say I'm middle of the pack. You know, as people are like, well, I'm going to try and get 2,020 hours in 2020. I was like, go for it. I mean, that's amazing. You know, we're not like leading, we're not leading the pack here by any means, but it's a simple thing, a simple premise um, that makes a really profound impact. Yeah. One thing I love too, you know, I was just talking, my, my aunt had me give my, I guess she's my second cousin. It's beyond, it's, that's beyond the point, but she's a little <laughs> girl. She's like 12 years old. She's going into middle school and she really, my, my aunt wants her to join the cross country team and I'm a runner. I'm a, I ran cross country and my aunt just kind of wanted me to give her some encouragement And what the end of that conversation boiled down to was like, this isn't about running the fastest. This isn't about being any certain number on the team. It's about, it's about creating a habit that will hopefully become a lifelong habit that's healthy for you. You develop that habit early in life. And so that conversation just so much rings true to this conversation. It's like, these are lifelong habits we're instilling in our kids. Like if you never go outside as a child and you don't see the benefits of that or you don't see the beauty of that, why at 25 or 45 are you going to think it's important, you know? Right, right. I love that. And that's the other thing I was thinking this morning too when I, you know, I was reading my books because part of this morning time stuff is like, you're doing your things, right? Like I was reading my book. I was sending off some emails. I was checking off the things I like to do before I get my kids to school. And so naturally it would be easy for me to just let them get up and get on their devices while I finish Mm. my things. But I just put my things down and mind you, I don't do this every day, but this morning I did and it made for a beautiful morning. And I thought I want to create these healthy habits in my life where I read my books. I go for my run or whatever. I have to like help my kids realize the importance of those habits now rather than the habit being sitting on the iPad. So I, yeah, it's like modeling, but also participating with them. Yes. Doing it together. And that is, I mean, yeah, my, you know, I talked about my midwife earlier because she brought up the sunlight before noon thing. Um, But she also says rhythm replaces strength, um, which I think is such a beautiful phrase you know, that we, like parenting is hard. And, but when we have these rhythms, mm-hmm. they help. And so like what you're saying is we want to have the rhythms ourselves, but then we also want to teach our kids to what are their rhythms, you know, and, you know, because they're going to be adults and at some point, and, um, you know, it's such a worthwhile pursuit to help them learn those things, those simple things about nature and about balance and while they're young, so they can use it when they're older. Hey friends, a quick break to thank Prevenex for supporting this episode of the podcast. Prevenex is a wonderful company that has vitamins and supplements and protein powder, vitamins for your kids. Their products are clean and they're effective. They also donate a bottle of children's vitamins to malnourished kids around the world for every bottle you purchase. Don't sleep on the protein powder, the Nurify Plus. We make smoothies with it at our house almost daily with our kids. They love it. Half of our kids take the vitamins on their own. Half of them drink them in a smoothie. We just blend them up. So good and feel so good to know that they are getting those nutrients that they need every single day that they probably otherwise wouldn't because we're eating a lot of mac and cheese over here. Okay? It's just the truth. So... Go to Prevenex.com, use the code 
Lindsay15. Check out their vitamins, supplements, and protein powder, and you won't regret it. That's Prevenex.com and use the code Lindsay15 at checkout. All right, friends, enjoy the rest of my conversation with Jenny. Yeah, let's talk about our kids just having free play. You know, we live in such an over-structured, over-scheduled culture, and I love sports. You know, my kids play sports, and it's wonderful, but I also love that they free play in the neighborhood and free range around with their buddies and just run from house to house, and I don't need to tell them what to do. They can pick up a bunch of tree logs and build the house they want to build. I don't need to direct them. So um, I know you've done some research on that and and you can speak on the importance of that free play. So I'm curious what your thoughts are. I have a lot of thoughts on that. And I don't know when things changed. You know, I think things used to be like that. Like we sort of let kids be and play. You know, when I was a kid, we had a like a little neighborhood baseball. There's like a little park and there was a baseball field there, like a rundown, ratty old place, you know. But we went up there a lot as kids, we ride our bike there, you know, and sometimes there'd be three kids and sometimes there'd be 10 kids and you have to change the rules based on who's there. And like I talked about earlier, everyone negotiates and everyone cooperates because everyone has the same intrinsic goal, mm. which is to keep playing. Yes. You know, so if someone says I quit, you know, well then it ruins the whole thing. So there's, there is this primary motivator and so then they're learning these lifelong skills. Kids are, you know, and, and they even say through free play games, like pickup games that are not, um, you know, organized sports that there's considerably less injury mm. um, because, you know, who's going to bowl over the six-year-old that's going to ruin it for everyone. So, you know, it's this interesting um, information about play, but, but more than that, um, you know, if we look at our children, they learn so much on their own as little ones, right? They they learn to crawl and then they pull up on the furniture and then they take little wobbly steps. And then, you know, within a few months, they're running down hills and they're jumping over stumps and, you know, and they're speaking, which is actually the, um, the most complex thing we ever learn to do is to speak, um, which is why it's hard, you know, if you try and learn another language, you always have an accent, you can't change it. You know, it's so, you know, from birth to three, kids learn for mastery, right? Yeah. All of these things that we have not taught them, they have come up with their own course of instruction. And the most brilliant person in the world would not be able to come up with a course for them better than what they come up with for themselves. And so um, I think we just forget. And and because we're adults, we think, well, I have more to offer. Um, but I don't, I don't think we do. I mean, I think that, I mean, I think in some instances we do, but what that child, you know, is drawn to and engaging with is a worthy pursuit and they are growing you know, I guess one of the things that I've learned about over the last years is that complex movements enhance brain function. So, um, you know, there's a stat that says 79%, what does it say? Elderly people who dance regularly have a 79% less chance of de developing dementia. Mm. So that's from a book called Smart Moves um, by Carla Hannaford, and she's a pediatric occupational therapist. The tagline is, why learning is not all in your head. And she talks about how movement is also learning. Like we think of learning as sitting, right? Like learning is listening to a teacher. Learning is doing a worksheet. Learning is taking a test, right? But she argues, and and this is everywhere in the research, that movement actually also counts as learning. And so as kids become more complex in their movements, and our oldest is almost 13, and I can see it, you know, if I step back, you know, they're trying to do trick shots with the basketball and they're into Frisbee now and they're riding the skateboard and they're, you know, as if we step back and allow that time, they naturally increase in the complexity of their movements. And I'm sure you see that with sports and with running, you know, it, trail running, I'm sure is very complex. And, and so what's happening is it's enhancing the brain. All those neurons are starting to fire faster and the brain works better. It functions better. And by so by stepping back and allowing our kids to sort of move through these increased complex movements all on their own, all on their own motivation, um, 
by letting them just sort of play and, and do what they're drawn to, we are giving them lifelong skills and incredible lifelong skills, really. Um, so, you know, it's about, it's about, it's humbling a little bit um, to say, you know, I'm, I'm two decades older than you, but you have a little more uh, insight into what you need, you mm-hmm. know, than I may. And it's humbling. I think it's um, scary to step back and not feel all the time um, because what they learn is not necessarily linear. It's not like check the box, you know, this goes on your report card type learning. Um, but it still counts. And I think it still um, holds very deep value to just let kids play, let them be. Yeah. And and aside from that, too, I love what you were talking about, the kids of different ages all playing a game. I love as a parent, like watching something kind of start to transpire. And like, instead of just stepping in and being like, don't do that, don't, you know, like, like, see how they come out on their own first, like, see how they figure it out on their own. I mean, there are circumstances when you have to step in. I mean, my kids sometimes beat the crap out of each other. I've got four really rowdy boys and sometimes I got to peel someone off somebody else. But for the most part, a lot of times if they don't like sense my presence, like they don't know I'm watching or around, they'll, so they'll dust off, they'll dust off their, their, their knees and they'll move on and figure, figure it out themselves. Wow. So I have this like really big thing with my kids. I'm like, don't come running to me to tell on someone unless you really need to come tell on someone right. for something, you know? And right. so I think that goes with the free play though. If, if kids aren't used to free play like that, of course they're going to come running every time there's an issue because they've never been taught else otherwise. Right. So they're learning. I think I have, um, I have this post about risky play and you know, from what I read, it's like, it's riskier to avoid the risky play Mm. in the long run. Right. Or you cause, it's like one of those things that's like, I really just want to make parenting easier for myself. Right. Like I have that goal of course, And, and like, right. Like, so play does that. It makes it easier for me in the long run because then my child is not dependent on a screen and because they are more sure-footed because they've played more and so they're more coordinated. And so it's just this interesting thing how if you put that investment in at the beginning, which is really just an investment in slowing down and kind of walking through that fear of not doing enough, then it helps everyone in the long run. You know, they, they learn to get along better with their peers and, you know, in mixed age play groups. And, and so like the benefits are now, but they're also long-term Oh, both for them and for us. Yeah. Like so, so socialization skills. I mean, that's, yeah. that's really massive. That's something that is, you know, that's something that social media and screens are really preventing kids. And, and I mean, talking about teens too, that are past this young age that my kids are at they're not learning social skills because of right. of all these things it's it's really horrifying really if you if you think about um that security blanket that the screens i mean i think it was you who posted one day i think it was from a shared account, another account that we're raising this generation of kids that has a screen to go to as a band-aid when they feel sad or tired yeah. or scared or lonely yeah, I think that was from, there's like a documentary out about the social dilemma. It might have been from that. Yeah, that was really mind boggling, right? Because in in a sense, we are holding our kids back a little bit. I mean, that's the whole thing like about risky play, right? So it's like risky play feels really scary when they're little and they're going to fall and they're, you know, but what happens then is we're building like these long-term muscles or mm. these long-term skills and in a lot of capacities, right? Like they're learning that they'll feel better if they go out in the morning, you know, instead of turning to a screen or they learn, you know, what their bodies are capable of. They learn how to resolve conflict. It's really, isn't it amazing how many benefits there are? Just, it's such like a, that's why it's like such a message of hope for me. Yeah. That you can like slow down, but still gain so much more which is why I started writing about it in the first place. But even since then, I've learned just a tremendous amount. I actually read recently about, I'm talking about multi-age play. Um, you know, if you have two four-year-olds 
and they want to play catch, they're not going to be able to, right? Because neither one has the skill. But if you have an eight-year-old and a four-year-old, well, then the eight-year-old is going to learn more because they're going to try and really get it to the four-year-old, right? Mm. They're going to they're going to have to use extra skills to engage with the younger child. And then the younger child is going to gain because they have that older one that is helping them, you know, giving them a little bit of assistance, right? By making sure it's thrown well and, you know, you know, maybe throwing it slower or whatever. So it's interesting how, you know, kids of all ages benefit from like neighborhood play, right? Neighborhood play. I love that. My my neighbors were not all exactly my same age. You know, you just kind of run around with these pack of kids and everyone's getting something out of it. And I love that you said neighborhood play because I was, as you were saying that, I was like, that sounds great, but I don't think I could get my eight-year-old to throw a softball or baseball with my four-year-old. But if it was a friend, you know, a neighbor mm-hmm. friend, and I said, hey, go, you know, and the, you know, they're playing with their, when it's not your fan, when it's not your sibling, yes. you're more yes. likely to like do yeah. stuff like that because the siblings, it's a natural thing for siblings to be like, oh, I don't want to play with my brother. You know, that's normal. Right. right. No, I agree. And I think that that those neighborhood dynamics actually probably help foster sibling relationships too, because then they're all just playing together and, you know, and they're all building their relationships as a group. I mean, my heart, my heart and soul is like so in for this like neighbor, neighbor lifestyle where kids are just coming and going in the backyard. And I have just seen the beauty in neighbor relationships and friendships that happen that way that are just so simple you live down the street and then you know and and brothers and sisters play with other brothers and sisters and it's just it is a beautiful thing yeah yeah um okay so one of the things I wanted to talk about is the the outside time in the winter because that's one reason I fell in love with your account is that I'm like, okay, she's from Michigan. I can get on board with this because <laughs> if someone from Southern California is preaching to me outside 1000 outside hours, I'm going to be like easy for you. <laughs> right. Right. That is, I mean, that is the three biggest questions that we get are, uh, does sleeping in a tent count? No, it doesn't. We don't. I don't we don't have official rules, but I say. Oh, no. but, but like anyway. if you're getting like ten hours of sl- in ten, yeah, you're sleeping during but those some, ten you hours. Know some people want to count their ten time. That's fine. Sure. Um. So that's the question that we get. Uh, we get a question about ticks, and then we get a question about winter. Um. Those are the three top questions, and um. I, you know, like I, I love to be outside. I feel better. Um, but also I really like to be inside. I like to read and I play the piano. I'm not a runner. I should be, you know, I'm like, everyone has sort of their things that they're already drawn to. And I'm actually naturally drawn toward inside things. Um, and I also despise beyond despise being cold and I have seasonal allergies and I always get mosquito bites, you know, so (laughs) there's like these things, right. But, um, but the winter provides opportunities that the other seasons do not. Mm. And so that has been my focus over the last years. I read a book called There's No Such Thing as Bad Weather by Linda McGurk. And that's sort of what she talks about. Like in other countries, people don't even really talk about good weather, bad mm. weather. They just change their clothes. And and so we don't go out as much in the winter as we do spring, summer, fall. Um, but we still do prioritize it. And, and I kind of like I said before, I look for the best days. I go out at the best times. Like in the winter, we go out mid-afternoon, right? Mm-hmm. It's the warmest. Or, um, And then we've done ice ornaments and we build snow globes and snowmen and we sled. I mean, and we hike and you can see the animal prints and you can see through all the trees. So it's it's a perception change for me, which is that every season holds its own beauty and it's old and own engaging things. You know, I like in the winter, it gets dark early. So well, well, let's go out with flashlights. Kids love that. You know, so um, it's a life lesson too, right? That that seasons, even hard seasons, have value and hold things that, you know, um, are worthwhile for us. So I think I like that too. It's just sort of a, a lesson about life. Um, so we don't write off winter. I love that. We don't write off winter. I love we've that. Grown, we've grown to love it. And, um, you know, like I said, 
our our hours outside skew toward the other seasons of the year, but we certainly um, have made significant winter fun memories. Um, and uh, I think as a parent, if we act like we love it, the kids sort of follow suit, right? So if I'm not complaining, even if I'm just complaining in my mind, <laughs> you know, they kind of just follow the lead and, and they like it too. You grow a thicker skin with it too. Like, I mean, I used to hate being cold and don't get me wrong. I don't enjoy being cold, but right. If you have the right clothes and you do get in the mindset of like, we're going to get an hour in today. Like we are, yeah. we are going to make that happen. Um, I mean, there were a couple, there were quite a few really hard winter days where it's like, you're not seeing friends because of COVID, like all these things and going to a park where we're the only family there for an hour on those really cold days, it totally changed the trajectory of our behavior, our attitudes, wow. all of us. Yeah. Know? And I think that is, that is the crux of sort of this journey. My, I get a lot of people send just such beautiful messages. Um, the, my favorite message to get, and I, and I get it often is, um, we would have missed this moment mm. if not for this challenge. And that's what I think. Like, that's you know, so I think, good. I think we're, we're missing, we are missing a lot, you know, if our lives are just, um, you know, unbalanced and, and sort of leaning towards screen usage. And, um, like that's how I feel about the winter too. Like you said, like, well, even if you go for 30 minutes, you know, a lot of times you can have really cool experiences in those 30 minutes and you get that fresh air and, um, you know, helps your health and, and all those sort of things. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're in for winter. Yeah, I love that too because it's like, you know, I think I, I kind of compare this to exercise a little bit. Obviously, we're talking about being outdoors and you're usually moving if you're outdoors. But like, um, you know, I think a lot of people, I'm a runner and and that's that's a big part of my life. And, and this doesn't have to be running. This is just exercise in general. But people are scared to do it because they think it has to be this big, gigantic thing. Mm. And it's like, no, commit to th literally 30 minutes, just 30 minutes. Yeah. of walking, of whatever it is, just commit to 30 minutes. For most people, that's attainable to yeah. move your body for 30 minutes a day. And it'll actually help you be more efficient in every other area of your life. But it's similar, right? It's a similar thing. Yes. It's like a small, a small thing with a profound impact, a simple concept, but it has, it's, it's very similar, right? Because if you learn about how does exercise affect your health and your well-being and your brain, right? The oxygen, it's sort of similar to going outside, right? There are just a litany of benefits. And it's not all um, or nothing. Right, right. I mean, that's what, yeah. it, that's just it. And so, you know, with your trackers, we blew it up and we made this big one in the garage. Oh, fun. Now, I gave up on it, but <laughs> I, I did not give up on it until March. So like December, January, no, we started January because we did the new year. January and February, tracking those hours was massive for getting our butts out the door on long yeah. Saturdays because I was like, I was holding myself accountable and I had a couple of friends doing it with me. I just yeah. realized mid March it was nice again and we were going on a trip and I knew we'd be outside the whole time then. And I was yeah. like, I just don't need the accountability right now. Some people might still need it, but I don't, but that's the beauty in it. That's what like, yeah. cause I, and I was posting about it too. And I think a couple of people were like intimidated by like, the competition or the perfection of it. And I'm like, that's not what it's about. No. It's about giving yourself accountability and motivation until you, you don't maybe don't need it and, anymore. And permission. Yeah. I think maybe that's almost the biggest thing. It's like this permission to play. Um, because there's so much pressure to fill, 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 fill childhood with all of these adult directed activities. So it's also permission that says, look, I, you know, it's healthy. It's good. It's research backed to spend all this time outside. And so, you know, I get to do that or I get to aim for it. Um, you know, whether I hit it or not, there's benefits. And just to touch on the neighbor thing one more time, I mean, the benefits of that during the cold days are huge because you can really push your kids out the door a lot more in the cold if they know they have a buddy yes. to play with. <laughs> yeah, I always say people are like, well, what do I need? And I think you only need three things. You need food, right? Good snacks. You need friends uh -huh. and, I, and a first aid kit. I say yeah. the three Fs. That's all you need. You know, and that friends make a huge difference. As people ask a lot about as kids get older. And I think that as kids get older, like 
you know, they start to specialize. Mm -hmm. And um, so if we can source them with what they're interested in, like you said, you've got the second cousin that's interested in running, you know, kids that are interested in fishing or whatever it is that their hobby is. Um, But man, if you, if there are friends coming along on the hike or, you know, your 15, 16, 17 year old, are, they're still going to want to go. Mm. You know, friends do make a huge difference. Now, I have not entered. Your oldest is 13, right? Yeah, almost 13. I'm sure that it's a little mm-hmm. bit different as as they get older, you know, pushing them out the door. Is it because what's the it's age not. range? It's, it's really not. not. Like okay. we have four to 12 and, and my kids were three and under when we started. Okay. Uh, and so I sort of thought, well, will this work for long term? Yeah. But it does as long as you have things for them that they're interested in, uh-huh. you know? So I think you just, ha- you grow with your kid. And, uh, you know, I think when they hit around eight or nine, they have, you know, certain hobbies that sort of come out that, um, you know, and then you, you source, you source that for them or you, um, you know, and then we've gone to like, um, one our favorite places in North Carolina, uh, it's called in Asheville. Okay. We just <laughs> We've actually went there. not gone. We've actually not gone all that many places. Sometimes I look back through my videos and I'm like, we have all these experiences, but, um, we actually haven't gone all that many places, but Asheville has got a bazillion waterfalls and they have this one called sliding rock. Okay. Which is this huge rock. I mean, just huge. Like probably you could fit 20 people across it. And it literally just, it's a, it's a natural water slide. It slides down into about five feet of water and like the kids just ride it over and over and over again. I mean, and they are just, they are having a blast, you know, whatever the age four, you know, four to 12 or what else occupies a four-year-old and a 12-year-old, not much. They don't like the same movies. Yeah. They don't like the same video games. They don't like the same books. You know, they don't like a lot of the same things, but if you go to a natural area, there's something I feel like that's going to occupy every age. You know, they're going to swing from the big kids is going to swing from the vine and the little one's going to play in the Creek bed, you know, um, Nature is engaging from, from the infant, from the early infancy, all the way through grandparents. That's such a, that's such a important message too, because that's the one, it's the one thing that they all can enjoy. That's, that's so good. Yeah. What's your answer when your kids say I'm bored? (laughs) Oh, I just say, um, that's okay. I know you'll find something to do. Oh, that's good. Or, that's good. Or I say, oh, great. Cause I have some laundry that I need help folding. (laughs) And then they run off. That's so good. Know? I love that. Yeah. Um, well, Jenny, this has been just wonderful. What do you have? I, I know you read tons of books. You've mentioned so many already in the episode. But do you have a special book? And actually, tell us about I your activity book. I have a book, book coming out. Yeah, tell us about your well, activity book. Okay. So I got asked to write an activity book for a publishing company last summer. And actually, I'm pretty into like open-ended play. So this wasn't my niche. Um, but I figured I could learn something new and turned out we loved it. It's like 50 plus activities, um, like Nate, just simple. Like we loved them. My kids loved them. I was, I was sort of renewed to like do a little bit more sort of nature crafty type things and different activities. But, um, the book ended up getting cut from the publishing company, um, because of COVID and they cut a bunch of books and mine was on the list and it was completely done. So, um, I'm so sorry. So we ended up, I know it's all right. We, well, this is the cool thing, Lindsay, we ended up self publishing and it wasn't going to come out till November. Um, but they, they come tomorrow. The books come tomorrow. So oh. it's, it's in pre-sale and I was able to include some extra things like testimonials. Um, so it is a six chapter, 1000 hours outside activity book. It's got some cool ideas. It's pre-sale. The pre-sale ends. Um, well, it'll probably be after this podcast airs, but um, anyway, so it's out, when it'll does be it out end? by I'm, the time I'm turning this it around today, actually May 2nd. Okay. Um, it ends. So in a week, okay. the pre-sale ends in a week, the books come tomorrow. Um, and I, it's just filled with like little nuggets and, um, you know, simple, simple ideas to sort of get you up, out and going. So I think people will love that. I would say if there was one book to read, um, I would pick Balanced and Barefoot by Angela Hanscom. Okay. Um, it's like how unrestricted play, I don't remember the subtitle, but it's fantastic. She's a pediatric occupational therapist. She's on the front line sort of seeing the decline in skills. And she just says, if we played 
you know, it, oh, this is how unrestricted outdoor play makes for strong, confident, and capable children. It's a fantastic, easy, quick read. Um, so uh, I would highly recommend that one. I love it. I am so excited about your book too. And I love that you just said, we're going to self-publish if we, (laughs) if we're not, we're not doing, so are you mailing them all out? That's always my question. We're mailing them. We're mailing them out. Yep. Yep. Starting tomorrow. Rolling up the sleeves. um, Yeah. But you know, it turned out to be a really cool thing. And, um, you know, the timing, the timing is so much better for it to come out in April rather than November. So, um, you know, we learn stuff along the way and adjust. So it's all part of the modeling, isn't it, Lindsay? Like all of these things that we're doing, I really used to view parenting as a director. And I so, so feel differently about it as the years have gone by. I, I view it as, a you know, be what you want your child to become. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. What's your last message to leave with the audience today? I always say what the child finds worthy is worthy. That's my last message. I think, you know, if we trusted children, uh, parenting is easier and uh, kids flourish and they thrive when, when we take a little step back. Oh, thank you so much, Jenny. I appreciate it. Good luck with the book. Thanks so much, Lindsay. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for being here today. Thanks, Jenny, for coming on the show. You all can find more about Ginny if you aren't already following her. Go to 1000 Hours Outside on Instagram. They have a website as well. I will link everything, including the new activity book in the show notes, which can be found currently at sandyboyproductions.com. Send Emma Benner, my assistant, an email if you want to be added to our email list. We will mail you, email you the show notes after every episode. And I mean, you're going to want these ones because Jenny had so many great book suggestions. Once you're on the list, you'll just get a weekly episode with our show notes that have those book suggestions and important, helpful links to anything we talked about in the episodes. You can find this podcast on Instagram. We are why is everyone yelling over there? You can find me on Instagram. I am lindsayhine626. We also have a Facebook group, Why Is Everyone Yelling? I would love to connect with you there. All right. I hope this episode was helpful for you. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. And we will see you next week on Why Is Everyone Yelling?